0: Hi, I'm Amy Leo, and you're listening to What We Should Have Learned in School. Today is part two of our two part series on why introspection is not as important as we think it is. In fact, that sometimes introspection, you know, that self reflective desire to ask why, can actually do more harm than good. It can lead to rumination. On problems and that can actually lead to depression so introspection can exacerbate feelings of sadness and kind of feeling down in the dumps and so before we get into part two today where we talk about the research and some practical take-homes I very rarely do that but today we're gonna have practical take-homes uh, I just want to make a caveat that if you're someone that has a pattern of thinking that you're either all for something or all against something, Anytime I share a study, I'm not sharing that with the intention to create a very strict all or none black and white kind of picture of what it is to be human. Because life is a case by case basis. Different things do work for different people. And often when I'm citing psychological research, it shows a correlational relationship you know two things that are influencing each other but not a causal relationship a true cause and effect relationship is very difficult to discover with that caveat let's get into today's show i'll just get a little jump in there so you are listening to what you should have learned. If the idea of your brain making up things, concocting a fake story seems too far-fetched, it seems too sci-fi, it seems too woo-woo for you, I want to share this with you. In a series of experiments, participants were exposed to two photos of two different people. Okay, so so, so good so far. Then they were asked to choose which person was more attractive. Again, not rocket science. The participants were then presented with a larger photo and asked to explain, you know, why did you choose this person? And the participants had no problems elaborating on all the reasons why this person was more attractive. But here is the kicker. They had never seen that photo before. They'd never seen that person before. It was not one of the original photos that they were presented with and that fact did not stop participants from explaining their reasoning. This is just one study of many that points to the notion that traditional introspection is not the act of tapping into our deepest selves, our deepest layers of our psyche. Rather, it represents a fabrication, a grand lie constructed by our brains in order to keep the story That it previously created, by the way. In order to keep our story of who we are consistent. In order to keep the story that we've concocted of our personality, our identity. Of who we are as a person. Alive and consistent. The brain likes consistency. It's a predictive mechanism. It thrives on that. So where does that leave us in today's conversation? Well, insight has been linked to mental well-being, personal growth, and it's quite practical. It's a practical way to go about solving problems in the real world. And researchers have backed this up, that insight does promote personal growth. It promotes a less stressful outlook. It promotes greater self-acceptance and happiness, and it strengthens our relationships with other people. But remember, A does not cause B. Introspection does not lead to insight. And just to clarify what I mean by insight, I'm talking about those aha moments that represent an intuitive understanding of something. And this often feels like a sudden download of wisdom. For me, it brings to mind the scene from The Matrix where Neo gets downloads of skill sets like different martial arts. Insight feels like that. And even though it sounds fancy, it seems far off that that it's something you can't experience. It, It isn't. You've had insights before. These are the moments when you hit your head. Maybe you're in the shower. Maybe you're going for a walk. Maybe you're driving your car and you say, duh, why didn't I think of that before? That's so obvious. That's insight. So insight's a natural ability of human beings, and it's one that's working for our benefit behind the scenes. We don't have to interfere or manipulate that. So that's the first thing. you know. When we're in that low state, you know, putting our attention on insight, looking to insight instead of engaging our self-reflective fabrications can be markedly more practical for us in those low moments. And and here's the other thing of it. I mean, sometimes sadness serves a purpose. So when I'm talking about insights, you probably were asking, well, you know, okay, Amy, how do I get more insights right now? I mean, I'm feeling like crap. I need to, I need some kind of take home. You have to tell me to do something to feel better. Again, I mean, insight isn't something we can force. There is a research correlation between when we're distracted and the likelihood of getting insights, right? when, when we're distracted, we tend to get insights a little bit more often, but, but sadness, and this is controversial, but even clinical depression can sometimes be a catalyst for personal insight that leads to change and transformation. These are those dark nights of the soul, and they feel like hell when you're going through them, but most people I meet that come through the other side do find a purpose if purpose seems too strong, they at least recognize that they grew as a person through the dark times, through the dark moments. So again, I mean, sadness serves a purpose. It's one that we ignore in our cultural 24 seven pursuit of happiness. And research supports this too. We tend to be more attentive to our surroundings. We tend to be less gullible when we're in temporary states of sadness. Um, You know, we're less likely to stereotype we're pretty successful at communicating and we're less likely to make judgmental errors. We're a little more skeptical than when we're in more positive, happier states of mind. And I wanna just take a moment and distinguish between temporary sadness and, and clinical depression that interferes with daily living. There are of course situations where the sadness is is accompanied by other symptoms. And it would be classified as clinical depression. So I'm not saying to brush that under the rug or not be aware of that. But again, I, I, I am pointing to the fact that culturally we give sadness a really bad reputation. And so we avoid it. We try to avoid it. Uh, we do a million things to try to get out of it. And, and that may actually be prolonging the state of sadness, ironically. And if you are dying for something practical that you can do, if you're looking for a tool from from today's episode, a really simple distinction that you can look towards when you're in the throes of these low moods that can result in, in a little bit better understanding and a little bit more grace and ease is asking what And not why. When we ask why in a personal way, in a way that's asking that question, you know, in an egoic self kind of way, it really invokes fantasy like what we're talking about. It also tends to focus our attention on the past and often feeds our negative emotions. For example, if someone asked you, or if you even asked yourself in self-reflection, why am I feeling frustrated? Why am I so upset? That could lead you down a really dark path. I mean, that that could open Pandora's box where, again, it's just not necessary because it's being made up anyway, right? That's what we've been talking about this whole episode. So you could answer that question with, I feel frustrated because my boss is an a-hole. My colleagues don't like me. I hate the work that I do. My children are out of control. My spouse doesn't listen to me. I'm not happy with my body weight and on and on and on and on and on. And I don't know about your experience with being human, but I don't think we can ever run out of reasons why we feel a certain way, why we feel upset, why we have problems in the world. And that can absolutely lead to a sense of overwhelm and rumination. And again, rumination can lead to depression. So it's really a vicious circle that, um, many of us are starting to wake up to and realize the great benefit of that, of not indulging that line of thinking, because we realize we truly don't have to, there's no gold there. It's like looking for gold in the toilet. That's what I used to say when I first started learning about the human mind and the human psychological system from a much more principle-based, subtractive place than what I had been trained in. You know, on the contrary, asking questions like how or what instead of why. How do my feelings work? Where are my feelings coming from? What am I feeling? Asking what or how, you know, how do feelings come to be in the first place? Where do feelings really come from? That speaks to reality. It feeds our curiosity, it increases the likelihood we're going to approach the problem with humility and therefore it activates our creative problem-solving capacities. So if someone asked you, or if you asked yourself, what am I feeling? It puts you in touch with current sensations you're experiencing. So for instance, you may recognize you feel a little hungry. And so you go to the kitchen to make a snack, right? Really attending to, and taking care of actual needs versus fantasizing about perceived reasons and, and, and buying into that whole theatrical production. So to wrap it up for today, the notion of introspection is largely an illusion, and it often is not actually that helpful for people introspection can kind of cause more quote-unquote harm than good, you know, by clouding our judgment, uh, taking us deeper into la-la land and out of touch with reality of how experience really happens. And that makes us more susceptible to making mental mistakes, making judgmental errors, uh, indulging in cognitive biases, right? We don't, and that thing is we don't realize <laughs> that this is all going on. So there are In my experience, much more direct routes to relief, to finding answers, to living life with greater ease and grace, and ultimately psychological freedom. And if the notion of having a broader perspective seems nice, but it seems too difficult, I encourage you to stay tuned in and subscribe to our show here at What We Should Have Learned in School, because that's what we're looking to share with the world to share with you that that there truly is a more direct path to psychological well-being than what we have been taught I'll see you again next week again my name is Amy Leo you can learn more about me and the work that I love to do in this world at amyleo.com until next time stay curious that is so important (laughs) take care of yourself equally as important (laughs) and keep rocking